what I often hear is that the first thing folks want to do is, oh, I'm at a plateau. I need to drop my calories. And I just want to say, stop, don't do that just yet. Okay. Don't go to some restrictive diet. Don't go to a pouch reset. Don't, you know, jump on these bandwagons of some restrictive eating pattern. That's not always the answer, you guys. Um, oftentimes it can be, maybe we're already eating too little, right? And you've begun exercising and maybe it's time that we need to increase our calories. And so what I usually say is let's go back to the basics. Let's start logging for a few days, take a look, get some data. What are we actually taking in each day in terms of calories and protein and carbs and fats, et cetera? What are we doing with our fluids? How are we doing on our sleep? Um, another thing to look at is have you changed your exercise routine recently? Um, oftentimes if you've been doing the same routine for for four, six, eight weeks, it's probably time for a change because your body has adjusted to that stimulus, right? So changing exercise can help us get out of a plateau, but just being more mindful about what we're doing. So again, sometimes it can be that we need to add in 100 or 200 more calories per day and do that slowly. Um, just start slow, add in a, maybe an additional one to 200. Maybe that's just increasing some protein at our meal, or maybe we add in a small snack or we round out our plate a little bit more with a bigger serving of, you know, vegetable or fruit or starch. Um, so that can be a small way to make a change that we can kind of look at and see how did that make me feel. Um, maybe we can increase your protein a little bit more. Um, perhaps you've gotten away from measuring portions and you haven't really, you don't really know what you're doing. Maybe you're underfueled. Maybe you've been taking in more than you thought. But these are just going back to the basics and getting that data so that we can make good educated decisions on what we need to do. Okay. But I just want to reassure you that plateaus do happen, unfortunately, I know, uh, but they're part of this journey. Um, and so stay the course. Hi, welcome to the Active Bariatric Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Tirapelli, a bariatric sports dietitian, and I help post-bariatric clients achieve their fitness goals through better nutrition and addressing the problems that come from typical bariatric and sports nutrition advice that just don't work for an active bariatric lifestyle. Welcome to episode 31 of the Active Bariatric Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Tirapelli, bariatric sports dietitian. Today, I want to bust those bariatric nutrition myths we always hear about in our community. And you're probably wondering, you know, are these correct? Are there any like shades of gray? You know, is there any of this that, you know, might be true, might not be true? So I want to talk about these because I think that there's lots of misinformation out there, especially, you know, as we have social media and um, it can be confusing and, and frustrating. So let's cut through all that confusion today and let's get the right information. So let's dive in. Myth number one. Bariatric patients should not eat carbohydrate-rich foods after bariatric surgery. How many of you have heard this one, right? I'm sure that you've heard this one quite a bit. Um, and, you know, the truth part to this is that, you know, in that first year after bariatric surgery, um, when our focus is really getting our protein needs met, our fluid goals met, getting in our bariatric vitamins and minerals every day, you know, that is priority. Absolutely. And um, certainly there's a time and a place where carbohydrates are not going to play as big of a role. And that's really in that first, you know, six to 12 months where we're just trying to get our daily uh, bariatric, you know, goals met of protein and fluids and micronutrients. So, you know, that can be, you know, the place where I think some of this information comes from. However, um, as we 
get farther out from when we had our surgery, as well as as you begin to increase your exercise, this is where carbohydrate-rich foods do play a very important role um, in balancing our plates, helping us get more nutrient value in our diet, helps prevent constipation. Um, and so carbohydrates play such an important role. So we don't want to keep these out forever, right? We do want to incorporate these as we go. And certainly it's going to be very individualized as to how much you should eat per meal, how much in a day. Um, and a lot of that will be down to, you know, how much you can tolerate as well as what are your goals. So remember that for my active bariatric individuals, as we've talked about many times in previous episodes, carbohydrates are the main energy source for our muscles to draw upon. So especially at moderate or higher intensity levels, carbohydrates are the main energy source. So we do need them in the diet in order to be able to exercise, right? Um, and have energy in those workouts. So if you've begun exercising and you really are starting to feel more run down, and you really just, you know, aren't sure, what I would do is you might just start slowly by adding in about 15 grams of carbohydrate at your meal. So that can be something like a serving of fruit, maybe a, a you know, small, like a, a medium apple, peach. Uh, it could be a half banana. It could be three-fourths cup of berries, a cup of watermelon. That's going to give us about 15 grams of carbohydrate. Um, you could also add in some whole grains or complex carbohydrates such as brown rice or quinoa, whole grain toast, whole grain pasta, oatmeal, even beans. Um, you're going to get a good amount of carbohydrate from those, uh, you know, carb-rich foods. So what I would do is, of course, still focus on eating our protein food first, and then we start incrementally adding about 15 grams of carb at each meal. See how that feels first, okay? You don't have to go from zero to, you know, 100, right? So always start slow, see how you do, keep that pro uh, focus on the protein food first, and then layer in and balance our plate with these, you know, more carbohydrate-rich foods. Another strategy, too, is for those of you that, you know, maybe you have been adding in some carbohydrates, but you still feel maybe a little bit more run down on the workout. This is where adding in some carbohydrate in that pre-workout window, maybe one to two hours pre-workout, we're aiming for about 15 to 30 grams of carbohydrate. You know, things like a Greek yogurt, which have both carbs and protein, can be something grab and go, applesauce pouch, pretzels, dry cereal. It doesn't have to be something big to get in some carbohydrate uh, before the workout. And that can help kind of top off those muscle glycogen stores that is our stored carbohydrate in our muscle and give us an energy source when we're working out so that we can get through that workout, work harder, get more out of it. So I wanted to dispel this myth right out of the gate. Carbohydrates do certainly have a time and a place for uh, bariatric uh, individuals. And certainly if you're an active bariatric individual, um, carbohydrates play a really important role. So do not be afraid of carbohydrates. And then myth number two. Avoid lifting weights after bariatric surgery as this can lead to weight gain or for women maybe looking too bulky. So how many of you have heard this one? I, I hear this quite a bit. I, I think it is seeming to be, uh, you know, getting more recognized that resistance training is very important, right? It's good for long-term health. Uh, it's good for overall uh, mobility, longevity, um, overall strength so that we stay stronger, longer into our life, right? Um, and so I'm hoping that that is kind of starting to permeate into even the bariatric community because I know that you, know, you go through bariatric surgery and certainly that those first, you know, uh, whatever it might be from your surgical center, six, 12 weeks, whatever it might be where they might advise you to avoid lifting, make sure everything's healed first, start with just slow walking, whatever your surgical center says, of course, do that. Um, but once they say, yeah, go ahead and start resistance training, I want to encourage you. It is absolutely so helpful for you if you're wanting to change your body composition, if you're wanting to reduce body fat and increase muscle mass, 
resistance training is for you. Okay. And ladies, I want to just dispel that myth that, you know, hey, I don't want to lift too much because I'm afraid I'm going to get too bulky looking or, you know, look like a man or whatever it might be that you've heard out there. Ladies, it is very, very hard for women to put on significant muscle mass as compared to a man. Okay. We do not have the level of testosterone uh, that men do. And so it makes it more challenging for women to put on significant mass. Okay. So I want to just dispel that right now. Do not be afraid of that. In fact, I would rather you be lifting more um, and, and you know, kind of put away that fear of, hey, I might look too bulky because it's probably not going to happen, okay? Um, hopefully, you can put on some lean muscle mass and, and have some definition as well. That's great. Um, but don't be afraid of looking too bulky. That's not going to happen, okay? So I want to reiterate, lifting is so wonderful for um, active individuals, especially bariatric um, individuals, because you've gone through that rapid weight loss phase. Oftentimes, besides fat, we will lose some muscle tissue. Issue. Um, that's inevitable. Um, it's it's hard not to when we're in a very low caloric environment in that first, you know, six to 12 months post-op. Um, by increasing our protein, increasing our overall intake, and through a progressive overload in our resistance training workouts, um, we can start to see some changes in our body composition and our muscle mass. Um, you know, in past episodes of the Active Bariatric Nutrition Podcast, I've had on both physical therapists as well as personal trainers. I've asked them, you know, what are some starting kind of recommendations for someone that's new to resistance training, they all kind of uh, settled on about three times a week as a good starting point um, to do, you know, a full body uh, routine. And then working on from there, building up to, you know, maybe four times a week or five times a week, maybe dividing it into upper and lower body. Um, and there's all different types of strategies and ways to um, mix up your routines. I highly recommend going back to those episodes and listening because those experts all had such great, um, you know, great tips for those that are, you know, maybe not as familiar with resistance training programs. And I'll just end with saying, I highly recommend you find someone that has an expertise in this area, certified personal trainer, a physical therapist that has been doing this for many years and that has experience with bariatric uh, individuals would even be a better uh, key um, because they would be more uh, familiar with what you are able to do, um, but just help you to develop a plan that's safe and effective. Okay. Help you to, you know, make sure that you're doing the right thing um, in the right progression. Um, so I just want to end with find a coach that can help you in the gym. Okay. But certainly don't be afraid of lifting weights. Resistance training is wonderful for you, especially as a bariatric individual. I highly recommend it. All right. Myth number three. I will need to stay at eight to 1200 calories per day for life after bariatric surgery to maintain my weight loss. So, you know, I would just say that everybody's different. Okay. And guys, there's a spectrum definitely in terms of where people are going to land with their calories. And certainly in that first year, are people going to be in this range? Probably. Yeah. Because in that first year, you're not able to eat that much. Okay. And quite frankly, in the first year, I don't even, I'm not even looking at calories. I'm looking at, are we getting our protein goals in? Are we meeting our fluids? Are we taking our vitamins and minerals every day? We're learning our new body. I mean, there's so much going on, right? We're just trying to get in the basics so that, uh, you know, we get through that first year safely and, and healthfully. Um, but, you know, down after we get past that, and especially if you are increasing your exercise or you have particular uh, training and exercise goals, most likely for the majority of you, this eight to 1200 calorie level will probably not be enough for you. Um, and again, as I said, this will be highly individualized. Um, but there will be people that will thrive and, and do fine on lower calories. And there are going to be uh, people that are going to thrive and do better on higher calories. And what I mean by that is I have clients right now that are anywhere from, you know, might be starting at 
13, 14, 15. I have people that are at 28, 29, 3000 calories. Okay. Meaning there's ranges and there, you know, you could even maybe have to go higher than that. Just depends on what your goals are in terms of what, you know, things you're training for. I have people that are on 80 to 90 grams of protein a day. And I have some that are on 200 grams of protein a day. So again, it's highly individualized. So I always just caution you if you go on and and they're saying, Hey, everybody, you know, that's ever had bariatric surgery should all be eating X amount of calories. That sounds like a real generalized recommendation. And it's probably not specific to you. Okay. And we want to find what's best for you um, and your goals so that you can meet whatever you're striving for, right? If you've ever been wondering, you know, what should your calories or macros be or just how to balance your plates better to fuel your workouts, timing of, you know, intake, these types of things, it's exactly what I do with my clients. So if you ever have questions about it, please don't ever hesitate to reach out because I'd be happy to help you. So myth number four, I should eat three meals per day for life after bariatric surgery. So there's lots of debate on the perfect eating pattern, okay? And that's not even just in the bariatric population. That's outside of that. But I'm going to be specific to our population. You know, I think the three meal per day, no snacking has come from we're trying to reestablish new patterns, right, after we have our surgery. And certainly, we want to be on a consistent eating pattern. That is number one, most critical. So eating three times a day ensures that we're eating about every, you know, say four hours or so. We're getting in protein, hopefully three times a day. And we're able to meet our minimum goals. However, for some of you, as you again are, you know, we move away from when we've had our surgery and we're able to tolerate and eat more and expand our plate and add different food groups besides our protein, our calorie levels are, you know, the amount of food that we can take at each meal are going to be different right? And so for some of you who have higher needs, because maybe you have specific training goals, perhaps you can't get in all that you need in just three times a day, right? And so in those cases, it may be beneficial to add in a snack or two or three. I'll be honest with you. I have clients that eat three meals a day. I have clients that do three meals in one snack, three meals in two snacks, and three meals and three snacks. And each is individualized based on what they tolerate, how they like, you know, how much they can eat at each meal, um, timing around workouts, you know, making sure that they're getting in adequate carbohydrate pre-workout and post getting in some carbs and protein. And so that timing piece for some folks is even more important in meeting their goals. And so again, the perfect eating pattern out there is what's perfect for you. Okay. So I, again, I always just recommend, uh, you know, if you're hearing, Hey, this is a one size fits all approach. Um, it's, it's more important that we find out what's the best pattern for you and your goals. Um, one other thing I'll just say that uh, to add on to this, it's not this exact same myth, but it kind of ties to it. Another thing that I hear frequently is that there's like some arbitrary time in the evening that we shouldn't eat after because like something, you know, magical happens where our body doesn't digest or it stores it all as fat. So for example, oh, we're never supposed to eat anymore after 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or I shouldn't be eating carbs after 6 p.m. I mean, there's so many things that I've heard on social media and I just wanted to bring it up today because again, the purpose of our, uh, you know, the podcast here is to provide science-backed information. And there is no research out there that says eating after some set time in the day is going to be, you know, some terrible thing. Okay, so there's no research that said five o'clock, that's the, you know, the bewitching hour. You can't eat after that because after that, everything's stored as fat. No, that, that's not how it works. Okay, our body is working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, digesting food, metabolizing, providing energy, storing. It's in constant flux. Okay, it's always doing that. And so these times that have been thrown out there really are more for folks that needed parameters or certain date times of the day to help them maybe uh, reduce, uh, you know, 
time outside of that of eating, right? And and that's okay. I mean, again, if if it works for you and you're like, hey, I did struggle in the past with um, you know, grazing at night. It's better for me if I just eat my meal at six and I say, hey, that's done and I'm done with my eating for the day. Great. That's awesome. I'm not saying that that's bad. But what I do want to make sure we clarify is that there is no hard and fast rule out there that says you shouldn't eat after set time. Okay. Um, I always use the example. If you and I got on an airplane right now, we traveled across the world and we got off the plane and it's tomorrow at 3 p.m., your body doesn't know that. It just knows how much time's elapsed, when did I eat last, you know, and again, because our body is constantly metabolizing and utilizing energy. So, um, Try to, you know, avoid those, uh, you know, myths out there that talk about, you know, I shouldn't eat after a certain time or I shouldn't have carbs after a certain time. None of those are based in science. So eat on a pattern that meets your goals and that feels good for you. All right. Myth number five, hitting a weight loss plateau or stall means I'm doing something wrong. You know, and I hear this one because darn it, they're, they're frustrating. I get it. I know after bariatric surgery, it's like, hey, I just want to keep losing maybe like you did in the beginning. And, and and all of a sudden these plateaus come in and it's frustrating because you're like, what the heck? I didn't change anything, right? I've been doing the same thing. And all of a sudden uh, I'm not seeing any you know number on the scale change. And so there's a couple of things I want to highlight about this. First of all, plateaus are part of this process, unfortunately. Um, they're part of the journey. Plateaus are normal. There's nothing wrong with you. They're, they're you know, part of this. You're going to lose weight. I always use the analogy of you're going to lose weight like a staircase. So you'll lose, plateau, lose, plateau. And that's just your body's way of adjusting and, um, you know, adjusting to the uh, what's coming in, what you're doing for exercise. It's adjusting to that. Because what's your body's job? To survive, right? And so we don't want our body to just you know, we get the surgery and we just lose every single day on and on and on because that we'd go all the way down to zero, right? That's not what we want. So your body tries to adjust metabolism based on the intake and other things. And so, um, you know, when we are in that reduced caloric environment, specifically that first, you know, year or so after surgery, our metabolism does lower because you're eating such a small amount of calories, right? So our body adjusts to that. Plateaus can because of that. Um, that's one factor. Um, but also too, when we lose weight in that first year, oftentimes we do lose some muscle mass with that. Um, and so that too can slow our metabolism a little bit. Um, and what I often hear is that the first thing folks want to do is, oh, I'm at a plateau. I need to drop my calories. And I just want to say, stop, don't do that just yet. Okay. Don't go to some restrictive diet. Don't go to a pouch reset. Don't, you know, jump on these bandwagons of some restrictive eating pattern. That's not always the answer, you guys. Um, oftentimes it can be, maybe we're already eating too little, right? And you've begun exercising and maybe it's time that we need to increase our calories. And so what I usually say is let's go back to the basics. Let's start logging for a few days, take a look, get some data. What are we actually taking in each day in terms of calories and protein and carbs and fats, et cetera? What are we doing with our fluids? How are we doing on our sleep? Um, another thing to look at is have you changed your exercise routine recently? Um, oftentimes if you've been doing the same routine for for four, six, eight weeks, it's probably time for a change because your body has adjusted to that stimulus, right? So changing exercise can help us get out of a plateau, but just being more mindful about what we're doing. So again, sometimes it can be that we need to add in 100 or 200 more calories per day and do that slowly. Um, just start slow, add in and maybe an additional one to 200. Maybe that's just increasing some protein at our meal or maybe we add in a small snack or we round out our plate a little bit more with a bigger serving of, you know, vegetable or fruit or starch. Um, so that can be a small way to make a change that we can kind of look at and see how did that make me feel. Um, maybe we can increase your protein a little bit more. Um, perhaps you've gotten away from measuring portions and you haven't really, you don't really know what you're doing. Maybe you're underfueled. Maybe you've been taking in 
more than you thought. But these are just going back to the basics and getting that data so that we can make good educated decisions on what we need to do. Okay, but I just want to reassure you that plateaus do happen, unfortunately, I know, uh, but they're part of this journey. Um, and so stay the course. Sometimes they can take a couple weeks, sometimes they can take some months um, before we see a change, but stay the course. Okay, and obviously, also, if you're con- concerned about it, um, you know, sp- reach out, reach out to a registered dietitian, your bariatric dietitian. We can take a look and see if there's, you know, something more nutritionally that can be done. And then I also just want to say, you know, there's other things that we can measure besides just looking at that number on the scale, right? And I know I just had um, a guest on a few weeks ago, uh, Dr. Nina Crowley. We talked all about body composition and basically using that as a better, you know, measurement of uh, outcome measurement in terms of, you know, seeing how we're doing on our uh, progress here instead of just that number on the scale, which is so one dimensional, right? Body composition, though, can look at muscle mass, lean body uh, tissue, body fat changes, water. Um, It it can tell us so much more in a three-dimensional way rather than just that number on the scale, right? So instead of just looking at the number of the scale, we can look at body composition measurements. We can look at circumference measurements. We can look at our labs, What's going on inside, right? How are our labs changing since we had surgery? You know, a lot of times we might see, gosh, darn, look at my cholesterol. It's gone down. My good HDL cholesterol has gone up. You know, my hemoglobin A1C has gone down. My blood sugar has gone down. I mean, these are all great indicators that things are going awesome right? They don't have to always just be about a number on the scale. Better sleep quality, more energy during the day in your workouts. Again, these are all good indicators that things are progressing in a positive manner. So again, I just want to highlight, you know, weight loss plateaus do happen, but sometimes they're not the only thing that we should look at in terms of estimating how things are going. All right. Myth number six, if you are experiencing muscle cramps, you should eat a banana for more potassium. So I wanted to pull this one in because I wanted to draw in some, you know, some sports nutrition myths as well. Um, but I hear this one all the time. And and honestly, I've heard this one for years, even when I worked with collegiate and professional athletes. Um, you know, this one's kind of ingrained. Uh, hey, you're cramping, eat a banana, right? Because what are bananas rich in? Potassium. Um, but this one has been around for a long time. And the problem with it is, 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 multifactorial. So let me start with, guys, muscle cramping can have zero to do with nutrition, okay? It can be more of an issue with, you know, you're exerting too much uh, pressure on a particular muscle group. Maybe you um, haven't stretched out properly. You're changing directions. You're, you know, you're doing a new routine that you haven't done or that you're maybe not as in shape for. And that can lead to muscle cramping. And it can have, be more mechanical and not have anything to do with nutrition, okay? So I want to start off with that, that we need to rule those things out first. Um, but if it is related to nutrition, it can be, you know, dehydration. We need to look at, are we getting an adequate fluids and rehydrating with 16 to 20 24 ounces of fluids per one pound lost after a workout. Um, those losses are coming from sweat. Um, but I want to address this one particularly in regards to electrolytes. So guys, if you are having muscle cramping, I want to make sure you understand what are you actually you know, losing in your sweat and why are people saying potassium instead of sodium? Sodium is the one actually that we lose even three to one sodium to potassium in our sweat. And so, guys, if we're having any kind of an electrolyte imbalance, it's usually the sodium is the issue, okay? So bananas are not rich in sodium, okay? They're rich in potassium, yes. Um, But if we need to be looking at an electrolyte to be replacing, it's going to be sodium, okay? So in sports drinks or electrolyte mixes that you're using to replace electrolytes when you're, you know, working out, take a look at the label. There should be more sodium to potassium because that is actually mimicking what you're losing in your sweat uh, better, 
Um, so like the prime energy drinks and these other energy drinks that are coconut uh, water based, those are very high in potassium. They have very minimal uh, protein or excuse me, protein, sodium, as well as carbohydrate. And so, um, again, when we're cramping, if it's not a mechanical thing, we want to look at, you know, fluids. We want to look at sodium. So foods that we can incorporate in the diet in general that are going to incorporate more uh, salt will be, you know, salted foods, soups, pretzels, salted nuts, pickles, really anything in a box bag or can uh, will have salt added typically to preserve. Um, And so you can not only do you have to focus on it in your workout, but even just by incorporating more salt at your meals, that's helpful in reaching, you know, more salt in your body. Also, when we take in more salt, that increases our uh, drive for drinking fluids. And so that helps us to to hydrate better and it helps us to uh, conserve and, and store those fluids as well when we take in sodium. So I just wanted to, to make sure we dispelled that myth. If there is a cramping issue and it's not mechanical related, um, look at sodium intake, not just potassium. Okay. We're losing a lot more salt to uh, potassium in our sweat. All right. And that brings me to my last one here. Um, myth number seven, more is better. And guys, I mean, I think this can apply to so many different things, right? But in a lot of cases, more is just more, okay? And I just wanted to end on this one today because I know that each one of you are listening out there, you're, hey, you're trying to learn new things and get better educated and do the best and the best that you can um, with this new surgical tool. And I commend you for that. And I'm, and again, I'm so glad that you're here listening today even. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring this one up is that I oftentimes will see, you know, if we're frustrated with maybe our body composition or we're not, you know, seeing what we want in terms of the scale or our muscle, what do we do? We do more right? We go to the gym more. We, we do more cardio. We, you know, instead of maybe we need to take a day off, maybe we need to give our body an additional rest or recovery day. Or in addition, um, I'll see folks that, you know, Hey, uh, you know, they bring me like an entire bag of, of supplements, not your bariatric vitamins and minerals, but like additional sports nutrition supplements that, you know, Hey, I'm taking all these things, but they're not even looking at their diet. Right. And so I know I talked about this a couple episodes ago in the bariatric sports nutrition pyramid. Guys, if we're not just looking at our consistency of day to day good foundational bariatric nutrition habits, there is certainly no point in jumping to the top of the pyramid and trying to kind of skirt the issue by buying more supplements. Okay. There is no silver bullet out there that will cover. Um, you know, an inappropriate diet, right? If we're not taking in adequate calories, protein, carbs, fats, et cetera, day to day, um, we're not going to reach our goals. And there is no supplement out there that's going to help us, you know, bypass that. So I just wanted to talk today a little bit about, you know, more is oftentimes just more. So listen to your body, give it a little grace, you know, um, sometimes we need a little bit more rest and um, maybe a day off here or there. And it doesn't mean just going and, you know, driving ourselves until we're so exhausted that we get injured or, or ill. And then we're not able to exercise or do the things we want anyways, right? So uh, just be patient. This is a this is a lifelong journey that you're on. And gosh, I am so glad um, that you're, you're here and that you have started this. Um, and it's exciting. And there's so many great things um, that you're going to experience on this journey. And certainly, listening to your body and trying to establish these day-to-day good habits um, are going to be more important than, you know, these kind of silver bullets or squirrel, you know, like, hey, what's this shiny object over here? Um, you know, just try to listen and, and, and do the, those basic things first. And then we can, you know, layer on additional things if necessary. Okay. So I just wanted to um, go through those myths today. I know there's so many more. 
And in fact, you know what, guys, if you have other ones that you've heard, would you do me a favor? Can you DM me? Um, and hey, Kim, can you tell me if this is a, a myth that you you know can dispel or is it true or not? Um, and I'll do a whole nother episode on, on additional ones as well. Because again, the point of this is to try to get out science-backed information so that we're all getting, you know, correct information out there so that hopefully over time, you know, the misinformation is kind of pushed out, right? So I appreciate so much that you listened again today. Um, And as always, you can watch the full video of this podcast episode on my YouTube channel, the Active Bariatric Nutrition channel. Um, So make sure to subscribe to it and give it a like. Uh, That's how you'll know when we put a new video up. And then also, if you wouldn't mind, please share this podcast with someone that you think would find it uh, helpful um, and subscribe to it and give it a rating and a review because that's how it kind of gets, you know, put out in front of more folks and we can share this information with as many folks as we can. Um, And then you can also follow me on social media. I have an Instagram uh, page. My handle is Active Bariatric, as well as you can follow me on my Facebook community, the Active Bariatric Nutrition Community, and my TikTok page as well. If you would like to learn more about my one-to-one bariatric nutrition coaching services, please go to my website at activebariatricnutrition.com and schedule a free discovery call so we can learn more about each other and your goals. So again, guys, thanks so much for tuning in this week. I hope you're having a good start to your summer. And uh, guess what? We'll do this again next week. Take care.